This episode of Story Institute's Ramblin' Verser is brought to you by Timeless Tales. We bring you travel and fun, creating new stories in your life. Enhance your stories now. Hello there, and thank you for joining us for another exciting episode of Story Institute's Rambling Verser. This will be the last episode before we announce the winners of the poetry contest here at Story Institute. And uh, the next couple of weeks, we'll be bringing you the, the entries, either read by the authors themselves or, or one of our cast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. The quote of the week comes to us from Samuel Johnson. Don't think of retiring from the world until the world will be sorry that you retire. I hate a fellow whom pride or cowardice or laziness drives into a corner and who does nothing when he is there but sit and grow. Let him come out, as I do, and bark. Well, okay, uh, all sound effects aside, really think about what you're contributing as a writer, not only to, to yourself, but the society in which surrounds you. Uh, so as we listen to our interview this week with Chad Corey, think about the imagination that, that you can drive through different uh, modes uh, of creativity. It doesn't have to be in a novel. It doesn't have to be in a writing source. But think of the world you can create. And now here's Terry with the poem of the week. Here's this week's poem, Azure and Gold by Amy Lowell. April had covered the hills with flickering yellows and reds. The sparkle and coolness of snow was blown from the mountain beds. Across a deep sunken stream, the pink of blossoming trees, and from windless apple blooms, the humming of many bees. The air was of rose and gold, arabesqued with the song of birds, who, swinging unseen under leaves, made music more eager than words. Of a sudden, a slant the road, a brightness to dazzle and stun, a glint of the bluest blue, a flash from a sapphire sun. Blue birds so blue, t'was a dream, an impossible, unconceived hue, the high sky of summer dropped down, some rapturous ocean to woo. Such a color, such infinite light, the heart of a fabulous gem, many faceted, brilliant and rare, center stone of the earth's diadem. Center stone of the crown of the world, sincerity graved on your youth, and your eyes hold the bluebird flash, the sapphire shaft, which is truth. As we think about the poem that Terry just read, really think about those details again. Across a deep sunken stream, the pink of blossoming trees, the air was of rose and gold. Think about the details each author has to put into their story in which they create. And this week, Chad Corey will talk about the worlds that he has created, not only within his science fiction uh, novels and short stories, but in graphic novels too. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and without further ado, Chad Corey. We're here with Chad Corey award-winning author of, of five published works, and uh, he's here to talk to, with us a little bit about his passion of writing and creativity. Welcome, Chad. Well, thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about why you write. Well, I think we all kind of write on some level, uh, but, but for me, it just, it's a, a passionate thing. I'm a very creative person, and I think it kind of feels itself in a, in a positive fashion where the more you do of it, the more you want to do it. In other words, I just, I just like to create, and having an outlet to do that in writing is just a wonderful thing because you get to make stories, you get to develop 
whole different worlds and universes and just really have a good, fun time. And the benefit for me is actually seeing other people benefit from what I've written as well. And they're able to take some joy and some type of, hopefully some type of meaningful uh, understanding or something good out of what I've written as well. So that's one of the major reasons why I do it, I guess. And you have a variety of uh, of things that you write. Can you tell us a little bit about? Uh, do you prefer science fiction? Do you do you prefer graphic novels? You have a couple different things on your website. What, what what's your focus of your writing? Primarily, right now, what I've been doing is more of a fantasy vein of things. I have, as you mentioned, I have five published works, four of which are prose novels. Um, they, they, all of these five deal with the same world setting, the world of Trilodron. Uh But the first three are a trilogy. The uh, fourth one is a a short story collection, and this fifth one is a graphic novel. And they're just different ways of, of telling a story. I've also been experimenting with podcasts and things as well, but that's kind of where I'm gravitating, gravitating towards now. But in the future, I'm also looking at doing works that, that more like a near-future dystopia and things like that. But primarily fantasy is where I kind of got my feet grounded for the, for the moment. And one of your books is The Adventures of Corwin. Uh, it's a it's a series of short stories. Um, what what inspired you to write that? Well, a couple a couple different things. I've been a big fan of Robert E. Howard. Um, for those of you who don't know, he was a writer back in the '30s and uh, created Conan among other things. And he just kind of inspired me because the way he wrote the short story for me as as a young uh, guy growing up, it's just like wow, there's a lot of action and just he could set a scene. He had you know, other issues that I won't go into here about things that was common during that age of Pulp Fiction. But he really inspired me about how to how to tell a story. And to be honest, he's one of the major influences to kind of get me going into fantasy in general. And after completing the Divine Gamut trilogy, which was that big monster three-volume trilogy, I said, I want to take a break from massive, huge, epic things and go do something fun. And I found, uh, going back to Robert E. Howard again, I said, you know, this would be kind of fun to do. And it was a short story collection because I said... I want to see number one if I can even write a short story again because after writing these very long novels, you don't know if you can go back to doing very short, concise work like that. And I, I did find I could still do that, but I wanted to kind of have the same flavor that Howard had in that he had kind of a, an episodic nature to his tales and that each story kind of evolved the character, whether it was Conan or Call or whoever it happened to be, along a process of their, their life and career. And so I wanted to do that with, with Corwin, Corwin Dancer the Bard. And so that was a major focus there. The other one was I wanted to do, do something as a challenge for me and kind of twist fantasy up a little bit in the sense that I didn't want to have a character who was a sword-wielding maniac. I didn't want to have a character who was a super powerful wizard or any other cliches that had been out there. I wanted to have a character that was a pragmatic pacifist, and he was a bard. And so he didn't necessarily want to go into situations and start cutting heads off. He didn't want to go in and, you know, I mean, trying to do the typical fantasy type of thing. He wanted to actually get involved and help people in a way that didn't involve necessarily spilling of blood. And that was kind of a challenge because good story is conflict, and conflict is, is story. And so how, where is the conflict then if it is not fighting someone or having these great big battles? So it now becomes more of an interpersonal or an inter- uh, dynamic working so and so on and so forth and so it was kind of a fun challenge for me and I think it went very well if I got some good feedback from that so I was pleased with that so you mentioned um, authors as far as uh, being an inspiration to to the genre in which you write in 
What else inspires you? Good question. <laughs> it's a very good question. Uh, well, to be honest with you, because I'm a Christian, I have to say God. But the channels through that which they come, I, it's just been very bizarre. You can be in mowing the lawn, and I'll have uh, a very interesting thing for me now is going on where I'll just see scenes. It's almost like watching a movie. And I'll see a scene from a movie that I know is part of a book. It's usually in the middle of the end part of a, a story. And it's like, okay, I know that's important for some reason. Now i got to figure out why and tell the story to get to that point, lead up to that point. It's, it's been very interesting. I can find inspiration from, I don't really read a lot of fiction anymore per se. I read a lot more nonfiction and stuff. History is a good place I draw a lot of references from. You'd be surprised there's a lot of information in history books, a lot of just little strange nuggets you can find. And unfortunately, as we move further and further along the technology age and, and are focused more on the future, we tend to forget about the past. And so you find all this stuff you can use, and it's copyright-free and all this stuff. You can get ideas and get stuff out of that as well. But it's a, it's a wide variety of things. I look at comics. I look at uh, nonfiction stuff. I don't really watch a lot of television either. So you can go in conversations. Some fun things actually have happened where I've just had experiences where I look across the street and watch some of the neighbors doing something, and that somehow lends itself to an exchange in a story or it sets up an idea for a story. So there's a lot of weird, bizarre things that can take place. But I think if people just keep their mind open and keep their eyes open, they can find a lot of interesting little things playing on all around them they can kind of pull off of and uh, incorporate as they will. One of the the key things that, that I've seen on your website and through the podcast that you have is a very uh, detailed approach to creating these universes that, that, that you have. Um, it, it's, it's very important to, to understand what those details are. Uh, and I know in your podcast you go into much more detail on it, but can you give us that high level of, of, uh, of how important those details are to you? Why, why, why is it important to have a historical overview of Trolladrin, and, and why is it important to, to understand uh, the whole breakout of that community? Yeah, I think you're referring to the Cult Under Worlds podcast. Um, yeah. and that's, that's great, because what I was doing with that is, yeah, it's, it's crucial to have a good foundation uh, for a fantasy well, just any world setting in general, because you're, you're establishing, let's be honest, all fiction is fantasy because it's not really happening. We're making something up that's going to supposedly take place. So it's a fantasy in some way, shape, or form. Um, but you've got to have a general idea of the rules and the parameters and the nature of this world you're telling the story in. So everything is kind of consistent. With me, I just happen to really enjoy fantasy. I mean, excuse me, history, and that's what I really picked up right away is just a historical background really kind of grounds everything together, even if you don't know it. And that's why I kind of get back to getting these nuggets and things. You can go back and look at historical doc documents and things and find a whole bunch of interesting tidbits that explain why things are in some way, shape, or form today, because it has had its roots basically way back when. And if you do it right with, with fantasy or just fiction in general, that'll play out in a very nice way. Like, why is this group of people this way? Well, you know, a couple hundred years ago, this happened, and that kind of sowed the seeds for, for all this throughout the period of time. When you get into something as nebulous as, as fantasy fiction goes, because we're sometimes talking with, you know, millions or billions of years and different planets and stuff like that, you need, it, it's kind of more or less like a spine in the back of your 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 storyline there. You need something to kind of latch onto and give some kind of consistent guidance because the tendency of fantasy is to kind of sometimes weaver and wave around in different areas 
and it, it sometimes can lose that grounding. But if you have a basic, solid foundation, like just a general overview of what happened in the past thousand years or something, then you're going to be pretty consistent in your storytelling. It's going to seem kind of consistent overall because that history is going to affect the entire planet. So you can feel echoes of it and all kind of interconnect if you do a really good job of keeping decent notes. You know, and I think that's very important from a fan perspective as well because you can draw uh, draw more conclusions and get further into the story if you know that there's there's other details behind it. And and I think uh, the website and the conversations that you do have kind of pull those details out a little bit more thoroughly than than many other authors do. Have you have you gotten any f- uh, feedback specifically on on pulling out those details and what those mean? Not not yet. I'm going to be doing a, a workshop, the very first one tied into Calden Worlds that, that podcast. Um, all in all, on yeah, my website chadcorey.com, you can find out. But my goal with that website, part of it is to help other writers out and give them some tools and insight to kind of help them get on their own career path as they as they were. But yeah, I, I haven't really got any feedback necessarily, good or bad, yet uh, from any of my podcasts, unfortunately. So if you you know, feel free to comment on those. Um, anyone who's listening to this, but yeah, I think it's my 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 only concern when I did that was that I'm sure you know, and I'm sure the listeners do as well, that there has become kind of a a submarket on the, the printing industry or the, the publishing fantasy industry about everyone and their cousin has a version of how to do world building. They have a book out or tips for writers to use for fantasy and how to develop a fantasy world setting and so on and so forth. And my only concern when I did Colin's of Worlds was I didn't want to kind of follow that genre. I didn't want to yet put another thing out there and glut the market with something that's already been out there. I wanted to have something uh, substantial that could be of a benefit or a different take on it. So I, I hope I am achieving that with it. Um, it sounds like, from your understanding, it's pulling on some different areas, so maybe maybe it is in that area. But no, to answer your question uh, in a long-winded way, no, I haven't really received any uh, any comments as of yet. So the, the other piece on, on your site is, are your comics and graphic novels. I know you have a, a newer graphic novel now, and you know, you've taken take a different approach to writing and creating than most of our other authors have done, is that you, you add this sense of of imagination, but also uh, the focus on there's other ways to tell a story. Um, tell us a little bit about your graphic novel, the title, uh, the details behind it, and what, what inspires you to do that type of work? Sure, sure. Uh, well, the, the book in question is called Tales of Trouladen, and uh, the subtitle is The Beginning. The idea behind it is that these would be... Um, just stories, Tales of Traveling is like kind of a tagline, and the stories underneath it that will follow this series is more or less stories that do not work for a prose or a strictly narrative version. What do I mean by that is they're interesting ideas, but if you read them on a page, you'd fall asleep or just get angry. You, you wouldn't want to read them. But if you put some pictures in there and kind of mix it up with some visual representation, it makes for a much more rewarding and engaging story. And this is exactly the perfect example for Tales of Traveling in the beginning in that it's it's a narrative. It's literally the history of the cosmology and the mythology of the world of Trilogen, which is where all these stories take place. And, well, that's all well and good and fun and everything, unless you're really sadistic and like reading that kind of thing in the, in the written page, it's a very boring, dry read. But if you put some pictures in there and kind of add some more story elements with that, it makes for a very interesting and, I think, engaging 
type of story medium. And that's, that's one of the benefits I really enjoy with graphic novels and comics overall is that from a writing standpoint, you, you really are singular in your writing initially, but you team up with others along the path. And what I mean by that is you have, you, you have this script and you set it out and you write on it and you kind of establish a basic foundation or a vision. Now, the script is different from prose in the sense that you don't necessarily have to describe every single thing in a scene. For instance, I would say something like, you know, a guy walks into the room and says this. That's all you really have to do. It's more like a play manuscript in some levels. It's kind of establishing setting and who's saying what and where, and that kind of stuff. Now then, what I did for uh, Tales of Trout and what I'm doing for most of my work now that are graphic novels is you got to have a reference Bible because, believe it or not, people cannot look into your mind and, and see what you're thinking. So now you have to explain what you're thinking. So now who does this guy look like? You know, who is this guy? What does he look like? What does his scene look like? And have some basic instructions and say, okay, these guys are going to have purple hair and so on and so forth. So that's, that's the next step. And something like Tales of Trollet, and because it involved, you know, thousands of years and just a whole cast of characters, it was really insane. It was almost like making a movie. We, uh, we literally had a thousand different images for the, uh, the characters involved and the poor guy drawing the, <laughs> the pictures. I didn't know how he kept his sanity because it was a pretty tight pace and it was just, he did a great job. We're talking doing the costumes. We're talking doing uh, the look, the, the cosmology you know, the look of the planets, the look of the, the people groups, looking all that kind of stuff had to be kind of defined and determined. And then from there, that's your template that, that reference Bible is your template, along with the notes that I did. I had probably about another oh, 70 or so odd pages for the reference Bible in addition to the 132-page script. So, you know, that's extra writing that the writers should be aware about. There's a lot of writing behind the scenes. But that's, that's the template that you move into working with the artist then. Now you become uh, a co-writer with the, uh, the artist because he's now interpreting what you've written. And he's kind of basically taking his pencil and writing in the visual sense what he's seen from what you, what you shared. And now you have to kind of collaborate and work on a, the overall look. And then you got the anchor, and then you got the color, and then you got the letter, and you're all kind of working together as, as co-writers in this overall project. And so in the end, hopefully, if you do a good job and it's a good team effort and everything, it's a much better, more solid project and uh, story than when you first started but it's, a, it's kind of a group effort from an original idea. So it's a little bit different than how you approach um, writing prose in general. The challenge with Tales of Trollin and also was that it was a narrative. And so you, had, you really had to rely heavily upon the pictures to convey the story because, yes, the text was there. It was moving you along. But the pictures had to say a lot, a lot more than the text did. And they had to keep your interest and move you along to the next panel and so on and so forth. And so that was another challenge as well. Yeah, there's so much more detail that has to go into that because, you know, as you pointed out, there's, there's the partnership that you have with, uh, with everyone else working on it with you. But if you leave out some of those details, there's an interpretation factor that, that you don't get if you're, if you're writing a novel. Oh, yeah. So, and then several times I had to go to the, uh, the artist and the, the colorist and things and no, you got it wrong. This is, you know, <laughs> this is not the right color. Or you, this guy, is, you got the wrong reference notes or something doesn't look right for this guy. Could you redo this or do that? Cause, yeah, because they, they can't read my mind. I can't read their mind. We're trying to work on a project in between us that 
that's supposed to be a combination of what we're seeing there. And yes, you're right. It's a very sometimes frustrating, but often a rewarding thing as a writer. It's it's a great joy. I couldn't tell you the first time I saw the uh, the sketches that came back. I'm like, whoa, this is so cool. And then someone else is seeing the same thing I'm seeing. Ooh, this is cool. Or you can see the finished pages, and it's such a great, rewarding experience because you can see it coming together, and it just feels, you know, it's it's cool to have a published book and everything, but it just feels a little bit different to actually see something and see it get colored and look like a, you know, quote, quote unquote, real thing yeah. right before your eyes. It's very rewarding for uh, for me at least. I think it would be for a lot of other people as well. So. Uh, you mentioned a good point as far as uh, the amount of work, but also the the rewards that go into it. So when you think about uh, the amount of effort that you've had to put in over the years for each of your stories, um, whether it's the uh, the graphic novel or the the novels themselves, what kind of advice do you have for for either new authors or, or authors looking to to break into a, a wider publishing arena? Sure, um, that's, that's a good question. Uh, first of all, if you go to my website, chadcorey.com, there's actually a page dedicated to giving some information. Uh, it's called the Insights page. And uh, what I tried to do, again, I at the preface this, I'm not an expert in <laughs> any means, shape, or form, like a grand poobah or anything, but I, I share my experience and uh, insight, which I think would be beneficial and helpful to other authors. And I have some essays and some links and things on there. Uh, but But a common thing that I find, and I had to struggle with a lot going through writing when I just got started, is keep it consistent when you write. A lot of times people don't stick with it. They, they write infrequently or they don't write at a, you don't have to necessarily write at a set time, although that can be very beneficial if you have a set you know, time when you know you're the most creative and you can get something done, that's usually pretty good. But if you have to kind of you know, move around the schedule and stuff, just being consistent with it, even if it's 15 minutes a day, you have to build up a discipline because writing is, is a craft and it's a discipline. It's, it's an artistic endeavor, but it's a working art form. You have to actually do something to make it work. And it's, you have to learn more and grow and develop, but also keep that artistic side going too. But it's, it's still a discipline. you still got to do it. And what I've found is that a lot of times when people are doing that, they're, they're dedicated to keeping something before them and writing something, they'll keep writing until the very last bit of inspiration or energy is gone. And then the next day they come in and say, okay, i got to start with a new blank piece of paper, and I, I'm just dry. And so what I've found is you're able to just write, write until you have a little bit left in you, but don't go all the way. And that way the next time when you get back in front of the page, you'll have the energy still there from the last time. And usually what happens is between the two times you've, you know, two days you've written, you'll have more inspiration and more insight into the direction that you want to go with the writing from that last little bit of uh, like jumping off point, for lack of a better word. And that kind of can spur you into doing something because at least you know where you wanted to end off yesterday, but you can kind of start from that segment and start writing the next day. And that kind of fuels you to keep going on for future writing projects for that day. Well, I think that's an important piece because uh, to your point, you, you don't want to exhaust yourself in one setting because otherwise you get to the next thing, you, you say, now what? Um, yeah. You know, and, and on, on the insight portion, you have, you know, getting with a program, self-publishing, uh, save your ideas, the love-hate relationship between a writer and his work, how to handle reviews, and some helpful tips for book signings. Um, which one of those would you think is, is the most important for a, a young author to, to, to read? Uh, 
Well, assuming they're not published, probably just the, I kind of gave you a nutshell that very first one. I don't recall the title, unfortunately, I apologize, but it just talks about getting with the program. It talks about okay. um, working within uh, some type of structure, um, because believe it or not, structure does help people. Even if you're creative and want to rebel against it and, and don't want to have any type of formalities, you do need some type of set pattern to, to get writing done. It just, it's just rather difficult to try and do haphazardly, and it doesn't really build a, a good... Uh, work habit or a, a good pattern of, of just being consistent because you need to have some type of common flow for your work as far as when your voice develops and you start developing greater skill at writing. You want to keep making sure it seems consistent. It'd be really challenging for readers or even yourself going back and if you haven't written in a couple months and your style has completely changed and you're still trying to write the same thing rather than if you just did a little bit each day, it would have kind of worked itself out. So, Right. So, um, from a book signing perspective, we see we see you've done a, a couple of those. Um, how is that, how is that different from just uh, either doing the podcast or or putting your book out there and letting the publisher handle handle all the publicity? Yeah, well, different from podcasts in the sense I have to be in front of people. <laughs> different from a. Uh, doing the publishing route. I, look, for, for me, it's really fun. I, I really enjoy getting out there and, and doing book signings um, because, as many of us know, writing is more of a hermetical type of craft or experience, and fortunately, and we don't really get to be in the company of other people physically. We could do an email and stuff like that, but it's something much more fun to be in front of people and talking about your book and seeing people that are interested and engaging with people. And for me, it's kind of a part test market, part just social being social, I, I like that aspect, and it's, it's always fun to go into bookstores. It makes you feel really kind of fun too to actually be behind the table, and because suddenly now you're you're somebody, quote unquote, for a couple of hours, and people want to come up to you and talk to you. And it, it never fails. I always every book signing, I meet authors, and uh, more than happy to share you know what what resources I have and uh, point them in the right direction if I can. But uh, just it's fun meeting all sorts of different people, and just and for me. It, I can learn a lot more because now I'm kind of getting in touch with what I think is my audience, although at this point I still don't know entirely who they are yet. So it'd be fun to figure that out when I you know, see that when that happens. But um, it's just kind of interesting to see how the stuff is perceived and what people get because it's, you know, I could think one thing about, oh, they're going to like this story and they could like something completely different. And so it's kind of keeps me on my toes and keeps me thinking and, and seeing things in a different light, which I think is, is beneficial. You mentioned you know you meet writers at these uh, at the book signings, and you, I know you've you've mentioned a little bit about uh, about the the articles on the website, but you also have uh, a couple different podcasts, and one of which um, found very interesting that you have this this series going on right now. It's a series of six podcasts where it's sort of a writing workshop type thing. Uh, talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, uh, I think you're talking. I think you're talking about Cauldron of Worlds again, and that's that's cool. Um, the premise behind that, again, like I said earlier, is is just to have a place for me. Cause what, maybe I'm selfish this way. I hope I'm not. But for me, growing up, and I I wanted to be a writer when I was like 12 years old, and uh, I knew that. I just wanted to do that. And having the, the resources available now that a lot of people have, I would have really enjoyed that when I was just getting started because I didn't have a lot and I was I'm from Minnesota and you know we're not that backwoods or anything but it's like you know there wasn't a lot of places that I knew of where I could go to or writing groups or things that I knew of especially being 12 or 13 years old there wasn't a lot of avenues available to me that would have benefited me in, uh, in my writing career where I wanted to learn and, and get better at it 
And so every time I try and do things like this, I try and uh, approach it from the perspective, is this going to be beneficial to, to someone? Would this have been beneficial to me had that happened, you know, several years back? And so that's kind of what I want to do with Called Under Worlds. And again, I didn't want to have it be something that's been done before. Because there's a lot of material out there right now, um, just books and other podcasts as well. If you just go on iTunes and look in there, there's just a lot of podcasts on world building. So I didn't want to really get, you know, clumped in with that group, so to speak. I didn't want to do things that's been done to death. I just wanted to kind of take a different approach and share what I've learned, uh, part of my backstory too, which uh, I don't think a lot of people know is I actually had a, a role-playing game company for a while um, and just <laughs> learned some things that way, too. Never developed a project, unfortunately, to completion, but we learned a lot about <laughs> you know, getting the process done. And part of that process teaches you how to design worlds and how to design good stories and stuff like that. And I took a lot of that information that I learned and uh, tried to encapsulate that in some pretty easy to de- decipher or absorb uh, one-hour segments. And then I, the one big thing is I didn't want people listening to me gab for an hour. That would be kind of boring. So I said, okay, I'll put together a – this is the podcast becomes the premise then for we're going to be talking about this. It's kind of the, the topic sentence. And then we have uh, some resource links and some reference material on the website attached to that, which sends you to different books, sends you to different resources, websites, so on and so forth, to augment what you've learned. And the whole thing is just to increase your – level of uh, ability to create a foundational beginning to your world setting. I'm not, I don't even make it, I put a disclaimer in there saying there's no way I can teach you everything about world building because it's so nebulous. You could be on it for years. But I want to give you a basic premise, a basic understanding to build your own world setting and kind of give you enough resources on top of that to kind of continue it on after that. And I also build a world with you. I build a world completely from scratch with you. And so every month um, you have my notes as this world is developing with yours. So you'll have my, my, my notes, reference materials, sometimes there's extra PDFs in there. And so between that and the podcast, it's my hope and my expectation that you have enough material to, to fully do that. Well, that, that, that's about all the, the, the questions I have uh, for, for you, Chad. Is there anything that you want to add from a writer perspective or, or any detailed uh, that we left out during the conversation or you think it's important for, for, for writers to hear? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I think you let me, if you're generous, letting me gab enough here. I, I don't think there's anything. I just, just, just be open um, to, to always learning. I think part of the challenge with writers is that we sometimes get set in our ways and think that, you know, our, our way of doing something is always the best. And sometimes it helps to have a, a different perspective come in and a different set of eyes, a different way of looking at things. And kind of improve us. Um, we're never so much at a place where we can't always improve and get better. And so I, I, it's my, my endeavor personally, I always try and get better and, and improve in my craft. And I think I think most writers should be open to that and just kind of don't be afraid of learning new things and don't be afraid of having someone maybe give you a helping hand and, and improve your work in some way, shape, or form if they, if they are able to. That's very good advice, very good advice. Well, thank you for joining us, and you can find more of Chad's work at chadcorey.com. It's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E.com. Thank you for joining us, Chad. Thank you, Chad. We'd like to thank Chad again for his contributions to Story Institute's Ram Reverser. If you have input or suggestions for our podcast, please visit us online at www.storyinstitute.com. Send us an email at ramblingverser at storyinstitute.com or give us a buzz at 615-713-1783.
or uh, you can even leave a message for us on Skype at Story Institute. Now here's Terry again with the poetry and short story topics of the week. Terry? And here's this week's poetry topic, Swamp Life. The swamp is a mysterious place that provides a home and shelter to many life forms. From frogs to alligators and mosquitoes to bats, each call this murky place their home. Dark waters provide shelter and nourishment to these creatures. Some have bulging eyes on the top of their heads to better see the slumping environment. Some meander aimlessly looking for the next place on which to land. The swamp provides much to a different world of wildlife. Think about the flow of life. Think about the eeriness that arrives at night. Think about the cycle of creatures that impacts the visitors of the seemingly relaxed setting. Think about the connections needed to be made within the verse to tie it all together, just like the swamp itself. Post it to our website at storyinstitute.com or share elsewhere. Write and enjoy. And this week's short story topic, Mysterious Delivery. The day was not cloudy and the night was as dark as usual. Nothing out of the ordinary was happening. Of course, that is how it usually works out. The truck of New Bamboo arrived at the zoo. Yes, bamboo, and yes, the zoo. The exhibits needed some new foliage, and the pandas needed some additional food. As the keepers open the truck and begin to inspect the cargo, they hear rustling toward the back of the truck. Slowly, they make their way towards the sounds. As they reach the back, flashlights shining the way, a small furry creature creeps out from behind the tall stalks. He is black and white, looking bare, who is wearing an illuminated green collar and seems to be smiling at the crew. Where did he come from? What is the collar for? Why is he in this truck? Is he a bear? A panda? Did he really just smile at them? Choose the main member of the crew. Choose the path that each have followed prior to this moment. Choose whether to share the backstory or reveal them slowly as the story progresses. Decide on the path. Decide on the why. Decide on the story and write. Post it to our website at storyinstitute.com or share elsewhere. Write and enjoy. Thank you again for joining us here at Story Institute's Rambling Verser. We hope you join us again next week when we'll have new thoughts, new ideas, and some great award-winning poems. In the meantime, remember to imagine, enhance, and grow your stories.